Welcome back or welcome to the Micro Leadership Podcast. In this series, we will be talking to leaders from a whole range of different disciplines and different businesses. We'll be trying to understand how they got to do what they do now and what their journey has been like. Each conversation will focus on each person's story, the challenges they faced, the successes they've achieved, the failures they've come through, and of course, what they've learned along the way. Each of these conversations will be designed to help you to understand the journey that others take to become great leaders, so you can learn to develop and become an even better leader yourself. We really hope you enjoy this conversation. In today's conversation, I'm joined by Sarah Walters, Sarah is the director at Asta Commercial Services Limited. She also happens to be a fellow member of my mastermind group, so it's a real joy to have Sarah on the podcast. In this conversation, she's going to talk about her role as a procurement professional and how she approaches that from a slightly different way. As well as being a um, specialist in procurement, Sarah is also a Reiki master. And we talk about this combination of being very data-driven and structured on the procurement side, and then very energy and and people-focused around her passion for Reiki and really understanding uh, people's emotions and their energies. So this is a really great conversation where Sarah dives in and tells us all about how she approaches life. So let's jump straight in. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Micro Leadership Podcast. It is fabulous to have you here today. Thank you, Hayden. Thank you so much for inviting me along. I'm really excited to uh, to have an interesting conversation with you this afternoon. So yeah, thank you. me too. Me too. So we know each other quite well. We're in a mastermind group together, which I think we should disclose to our our, our listeners. But um, so I'm really looking forward to this afternoon to hear a bit more about your story. So for the benefit of our listeners, tell them a little bit about what you do uh, and maybe share a little bit of how you've come to do that. Cool. Okay. So for I guess from from a career perspective, I am a procurement professional through and through. So like a stick of rock, if you cut me in half, it would say procurement all the way through. Uh, I I didn't um, I didn't wake up one day, you know, or when I was a child, I didn't sit around thinking, wow, I really want to be a procurement professional. I don't think many people do. But um, what happened for me was uh, I had quite a structured kind of I guess uh, academic schooling if you like and I went from GCSEs into A-levels and I kind of always knew I wanted to go on and do a degree and even before I'd done my A-levels when I took my my choices for GCSE I had an eye on doing a business degree uh, with French which is what I ended up doing and then I got to the end of the four years of my course and thought what next so the obvious step was a graduate trainee program Uh, so I did the usual kind of going around finding one and um I, I, I got on a, I got a placement uh, with a company and you had to choose which discipline you wanted to be part of. So sales, marketing, finance, that type of thing. And uh, in the bump that they sent me, there was this procurement and logistics section. And I thought, I've never really heard of that. What's that all about? And they'd given you a little bit of a summary of what it was, was, was about. And it seemed to be about numbers, analysis, data um and having been quite a maths geek at school uh, i thought yeah that's me uh, i'll go with that so i think it was about kind of extending the skill set i already had and thought well that's a good fit so let's let's go with that yeah um 
from that point, I guess it got quite varied. So I've still stayed in procurement, but I've been across a number of industries. So I've worked in manufacturing, I've worked in financial services, I've worked in retail, uh, but always in the procurement space and more latterly, very much in the IT and digital procurement space. So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of how I've ended up in procurement, I guess. Fantastic. Love that. So, so share a bit about kind of your current your current business because you work for yourself now. So, um, you stepped out of the corporate space and now run your own business. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting one actually because I think um, when I was younger, I always my parents had both had sort of more formal careers and mm. done the nine to five, and I think that's kind of the only model I've really seen and thought that's what everybody did. Yeah. And then uh, I had a career break to have my children, and when I went back, I was seeking something more flexible. And it was then that I started working flexibly. I also did contractor roles for a while. Um, and I did get lured back into a, a full-time role uh, or a permanent role for a period and realized it, uh, by that point, I was kind of in my forties and it was like, this is not for me. I can't work for someone else anymore. I don't want to do that. Um, and so it was, it was driven mainly by me needing my own freedom and my own mm. choice in life. So, um, along with a couple of colleagues who I'd worked with before, we set up Asta Commercial Services yep. uh, about three years ago now. Okay. Um, and the idea around it is, um, I mean, our tagline is procurement delivered differently. So what we're looking to do is work with people in a slightly different way than perhaps traditional procurement is, is perceived in large corporates. So mm. it can be seen as a very bureaucratic process, as quite um, a blocker sometimes to getting things done or it's seen as the bit you do at the end. So you wheel in procurement at the end of the process when you've done all the negotiation and then you beat the suppliers over the head to get an extra 10% off, which is not what it is at all. <laughs> so we are passionate uh, in our organization about driving that different approach and really selling what procurement is for people. Mm. The end-to-end -end life cycle relationship management um, and the, the earlier that you're involved in the process, the more you can influence and the more you can get the right outcome for the business. You can manage the risk properly. You can get the right value driven out for them. Um, but it's grown into more than that. We also help our clients with their processes, uh, okay. with their team skill sets. So we help upskill their staff or we actually recruit for people if they want us to. So we, the nice thing about owning our own business is we can mold it into what we want it to be. Mm. And we we can put out there, um, you know, the, the way of working that we feel passionate about and we know works and we can help our clients and we can tailor our solutions to them. So they get a very tailored, tailored service yeah. and not one size fits all kind of we we're coming with the process and the templates. You have to do this. It's quite flexible and fluid, which works quite well for our clients. Mm, no, definitely. So, um, uh, it's always been a function as a supplier that I dread dealing with for uh, most sectors because, yeah, it is the experience that you said earlier, which is coming right at the end and then try and screw you for the extra 10% or whatever it might be that they try and knock off. So um, good to hear that you're doing it in a different way. Um, so talk to me a bit about, because you said that this was a real driver to get some flexibility post your kind of career break to have your children. So talk to me a bit about how you kind of, how that's now manifesting itself in terms of the way you kind of live your life and, and um, what it's given you, I guess. Well, that's a great question. So, um, so I'm all about freedom, right? Mm. So, so um, I, I need to feel like I've got choice in life. 
and um, I'm prepared to work hard. Absolutely. It's not about being lazy or kind of, you know, taking half a week off. Yeah. It's about, I see flexibility as being able to work when it suits me. Um, and that's not always possible when you run your own business because you do have clients and they do have needs. And actually you have to provide, well, we're, we, we want to provide a professional service, which is very client driven. Yeah. So, um, but what it means is that where my two children are concerned, because I am a single parent, um, I, when I have them, I don't have them all the time, but when I have them half the time, I can actually flex my day around what they need. So mm. uh, I don't have to start work before nine o'clock in the morning. So I can make sure they get out the door as they need to. Uh, they're a bit older these days, so I don't actually have to take them to school anymore, yeah. which is quite nice. Um, but it means that I can be around when they get back from school and, you know, take some time off at that point, spend some time with them and then carry on later if I need to. So it's it's about making sure that um, everybody's needs get met. And, and that's not every day. You know, some days they come home from school and I'm on a call and they have to accept that. Hmm. But um, my parents were both out at work when I was younger. And from about 12 or 13, when I used to get home from school, they, they didn't arrive home till about six, seven o'clock at night. Yeah. And, um, and it was something that I felt I wanted to do differently for my family and for my children. Mm. So, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, I do work at weekends. I try not to, um, yeah. but it's about creating that. Uh, it's about looking at the working week and the family week as a kind of movable feast. Mm. You know, there's so many hours in a day. There's so many hours in a week. Let's, let's flex them around to make sure everybody gets what they need, basically. So that's how I look at it. Definitely. Love that. And so earlier on, you said in, in kind of going through your GCSEs and your A-levels, you talked about kind of being quite maths geek and having the business side and that took you there. Tell me a bit about the French side, because that carried on to your degree. But where, where does the French side sit in? Does that still play a part in your life or...? It's a, it's a sadness of mine, actually, that I don't get the opportunity to use it more. Um, so I, as part of my, my degree, I, did, I was able to go and work and live in France for a year. Oh, and I absolutely loved it. I loved it. And um, I've been back a few times uh, on holidays and things. And uh, it does come back. It's like riding a bike. You know, yeah. when you have that level of language, it is, it does you know it does come back to you when you start mm. using it again but it's a skill that has lapsed I have to say over time and I would love the opportunity to use it again whenever I bump into anybody in the in the business world who speaks French I tend to write to them in French or try and speak to them in French uh, just to try and um, and you know bring that back into my life again but I think it's an amazing country I love I love the country I love the people I love being able to communicate with people I think that's the interesting thing for me it's about that ability to communicate mm -hmm. and I remember I um I came back my brother lives in Germany and he speaks fluent German and uh, I came back from from my year in France and I actually went straight out to visit him for two weeks in Germany and I remember speaking to people in French in Germany because I had this, my brain was telling me that I needed to speak a foreign language, but I didn't speak German. So, and the frustration I felt for those two weeks was quite incredible, having lived in a foreign country and being able to easily communicate with people in their own language yeah. and then being somewhere different where I couldn't do that. I almost couldn't articulate myself at all. It was really, it was really funny how it, how it kind of works. So so yeah, I don't never say never on the French side of things. Um, I was convinced when I came back to England, I would do my final year of my degree and go back to France, but yeah. it never happened. Other, never things, happened. 
other things got in the way um but yeah i um i'm still in touch with some of my friends over there so mm. when all of this lockdown madness has finished maybe uh maybe a, get back over to friends for a while yeah, yeah definitely definitely yeah and so, as, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're part of a, um, a mastermind community together. And I guess the thing that really strikes me in our sessions in those masterminds is how, so you call yourself the manifesting queen, or we know you as the manifesting queen, and you are so in tune with energy. That's the thing that really kind of comes out with is, is energy is really at the heart of your contributions in that group. So talk to me a little bit about that side of you, because you've got a really kind of deep focus and, and enjoyment and passion for the energy that people have and you know I, I always get my tarot readings well not quite tarot readings but similar tarot readings from you so share a bit about that side and how that kind of plays into just kind of the way that you you do things yeah so um in, interesting question um and it, i have to say it, it i guess it's something that's really important to me but obviously mm. what, we've, what we've been speaking about so far is more about my career and i think it probably it probably brings itself into my career on a daily basis without me even really realizing it but in terms of kind of thinking consciously about it um i about sort of eight years ago i almost had this sort of epiphany i'd always been sort of looking for something extra um and i think i'd call myself spiritual rather than religious mm -hmm. um, and it's just my belief system but i do think there's something bigger than us you know it's not just we're not just physical beings in this world and when we die that's it you know my belief system is that there's more than that and scientists would even acknowledge that you know we are moving matter you know our bodies yeah. are made up of vibrating energy and therefore when we connect with people we connect with their energy as well as you know verbally and with all the other communication methods that we have which is probably why people are struggling a little bit at the moment without that physical connection. Because mm. if you're not physically in a room with somebody, I think it's harder for that energy to connect in the same way. Yeah. And um, so I think um, for me, uh, I pick up on other people's energy. I kind of tie into other people's energy. And um, and I think that's, that's the thing for me that, um, that I try and bring, I suppose, is that extra connection with people that perhaps helps me understand what they're trying to say or give a different perspective because there's that extra level of connection that's going on I don't know if that makes sense it absolutely does and and because I've experienced it as well so it makes perfect sense in the way you're articulated but actually I see that every time that we meet in our group because you always shine a different perspective on things that comes from that place of energy normally uh, and I, so I see it in action and, and there's always your contributions always take the conversation in a slightly different direction because you come at it from a different perspective, which I think is is always fascinating. And it's always wonderful when it happens. Yeah. And I think, um, again, I mean, it's it's a personal belief system, but, um, you know, I, I've I've done Reiki. So I've, I'm mm. a Reiki master, which might not mean anything to some people, but Reiki is an energetic healing system. And, um, and I think when, when you tune into that energy, um, then you do get sort of access, if you like, to that higher perspective. And it's about opening up that extra knowledge base, if you like, that's available to all of us. Yeah. Uh, but it's about plugging into that kind of higher purpose and being very aware of it and almost kind of bringing it in 
as it needs to be brought in. So, so it's not always, I don't always see it as kind of my knowledge or my experience, um, you know, specifically, but it's kind of that, that connection that I've got to that kind of higher purpose, if you like, that, that I, that I try to, to bring into what I do, but um, yeah, it's um, the nice thing about the mastermind group is it's a closed group and it's a, yeah. and it's a safe environment. And therefore, you know, we, we talk about things and we share things and we've got to know each other over a period of time, which allows for that trust and authenticity. Um, I was reading um, something that you actually put out earlier today about, about leadership styles. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and the two things that popped out at me were about that vulnerability piece and the trust piece. And, um, and it is difficult for people to get into a space where they can trust and they can be truly authentic and vulnerable. Um, but I think the more we can do that, obviously, the, the, I think the bigger the gains, yeah. um, the bigger the risk too. But, um, but, you know, that's like anything in life, right? The risk reward kind of, you know, is always, is always that balance. Absolutely. So I think what's really fascinating is that as I sit and listen to you and, and kind of playing off these two sides of your character, you've got the business side, which is procurement, as you rightly say, although you guys do it differently, um, it's still very analytical, very driven by numbers, very, um, very data driven. And then you've got this spiritual side, which is some people would say is completely the opposite and, and not data driven anyway, and, and, and really about feeling and essence and energy. So just talk to me about how that kind of plays out in, in, in yourself, because you've got this, what may seem to, to me, there's not many, I wouldn't imagine there's many procurement professionals who are also Reiki masters. Or well, have even an interest in exploring <laughs> Reiki. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, actually, I've never really done any, uh, any research into that. Um, I, um, so it's an interesting question, Hayden, and I think it's a constant challenge for me, if I'm really honest, mm. is how I balance those two aspects of my life. But what I think is really interesting is balance is absolutely key in everything. So, yeah. um, you know, we're all made up of male and female, you know, we've all got the dark and the light, you know, everything in life is about balance. Mm. And, um, and for me, um, it is a constant challenge as to how I uh, bring that true authentic part of myself into the workplace in the most positive way, mm. because I appreciate that it's not everybody's cup of tea yeah. and they're not necessarily uh you know they don't buy into asta for my reiki capability that's not the point yeah. but what's interesting is i was reflecting on this a bit before the conversation and i think when i was younger i was very black and white mm. which is probably why i was drawn to maths and numbers and because there's a right and a wrong answer yeah. and i absolutely loved giving in a test and getting the results back and if i got 96% I'd know where I'd lost that 4%, you know, I would be able to go, right, that's what I need to work on. It's really clear and everybody's happy. And then as I got older, I realized life isn't really like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd obviously constructed some kind of situation where I could create a place where it was probably a safety mechanism for me around, I know where I stand, what's required and I'm delivering to that standard. Yeah. And then you go through life and you have different experiences and you realize that actually life is not black and white. It's actually full of rainbow mm -hmm. uh, and there are nuances in between and it's a, you know, it's a continuum and all these other sort of, you know, cliches and buzzwords, but it's absolutely true. And I think um, 
the thing that makes me, I think, good at my job is that I have the ability to, uh, to work with a variety of people in a variety of situations, large companies, small companies, uh, entry-level individuals, C-suite, you know, I'm dealing across the gamut of, um, of people, situations, spend levels, mm. and it's about having that ability to, um, to really understand people that allows you to do a good job for them. So I need to be able to, go, to be good at listening, understanding, questioning. So some people think procurement is about telling the suppliers. Yeah. I, I ask way more questions than I ever you know, give information. And sometimes I've been in meetings where other people in the room will answer the question. And I'll say to them, you know, and I've learned to actually prep beforehand people and say, I'm going to ask some questions that might sound stupid and that you know the answer to, but there's a reason why I'm asking that question. Mm. And and so, so I think to answer your question, what what my what that side of me brings to my job, whether I label it for people or not, which yeah. I don't generally, is just that understanding of people, how they tick, how they work, what they need. And is being able to listen to them and really understand what they want so that I can make sure I'm delivering what they need and we're all getting the right result of the situation. Yeah. And then again, it's so, so super clear to, to me as to how that fits into um, yourself and your character as I know you and, and have met you because you absolutely do that. You listen so well and then you ask really on point questions. You don't fill the room with questions, but you ask the question that's really on point. Uh, that brings some discovery. So I think that's um, that, that's really clear. So as somebody who has, as you rightly said, had this kind of sense of wanting certainty back as a as a, as a younger uh, a younger individual, and now I guess what I'm just kind of playing through my head at the minute is then going into a, where you're running your own business. So three years ago eight years ago, kind of stepping out of that career break, where there is no certainty, or there's very little certainty, or, um, you know, a lot of self-employed people, you know, it's not like being in the corporate job where you just know your salary is going to drop through the door, you, you know, it's, it can be ups and downs and everything else. So how have you coped in that transition? How have you coped mm -hmm. that, that move to being kind of a, your own, in charge of your own destiny, but, but not having that certainty? So I guess for me, uh, you know, we're not we're not simple beings, are we? We're complex and mm. there are lots of things that drive me. Um, and I think that freedom and choice piece wins out every time. Yeah. So, yes, I want safety and security in as much as everybody wants it. Uh, but I'm not prepared to um, forego freedom and choice mm. for safety and security. Mm. So if I'm going to do a prioritization, and I have to give up my freedom and my choice so that I can have some safety and security. Well, freedom and choice is going to win out every day. And, um, and, you know, I've made some pretty ballsy decisions in my life, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. but, but I'm doing all right still. And I'm still, <laughs> I'm still here and I've still got money in the bank. Um, you know, I've, I've, I, you know, I left a, a 20 year relationship with two young kids because it wasn't right for me and we mm -hmm. still got, we still got on very well and and we've and we've you know co-parented our children in a very positive way yeah. but it wasn't right for me and therefore I left um you know I'm in a situation where I you know I've got 
various properties in various states of repair yeah. uh, and I've got tenants and I'm a landlady um, and because that was important to me you know that's what I wanted to do and I and I and I took the risk and I went out and I did it and you know there are other things in my life where I have taken risks I've left jobs with no job to go to mm -hmm. um, you know but but it's because I think um, much as I didn't necessarily realize it at the time I'd got a plan. So I'd been thinking things through in the background. I thought about what next, even though I didn't specifically have it there in, at that moment. And yeah. you talked before about the queen of manifestation, you know, I think I just have this um, confidence that it will, what, whatever's supposed to be will be. Um, and that's not a blind faith. <laughs> That's not me just saying, oh, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. That's me going, okay, if I if I have a general plan as to what I want the future to look like and I focus in on that yes, and then yes. I take the first few steps to get there, then that's when what I need will come in. And I'm a big believer in you have to create the space for the new. So mm. um, that's why I've left a couple of jobs with nothing to go to because I knew that whatever that job was taking up that space, the right thing would not come along. And yeah. so, yeah, so sometimes you do have to. And I, I posted something, I saw somebody had posted, I pinched it actually from somebody else. They posted, it said um, something about the, the storm is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's here to clear your path. And I think, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who um, rightly or wrongly, and I'll stand, you know, it's my life and I'll stand by it, but, if something doesn't feel right, then then I'm happy to clear it out. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the easiest decision. It's not always the the um, you know it's not always the most comfortable path. Yeah. Um, but I I'm I'm happy with where I am today, Hayden. So That's good. I'm I must be doing something right, right? So absolutely, yeah, completely. And I and I just love that. I love that deep confidence that you have in in yourself actually that deep confidence in yourself that I can make a choice and a decision and that's not going to define me I will define me based on the actions I take not the decisions that I've made and and I think for anybody listening to this I think that's such an important um, uh, characteristic that you have that so many people can learn from because there are so many people who put their life on hold because they're too scared to make a choice and I think what's really, but what's really interesting though is, like I said, it's not blind faith and I'm not mm. advocating that people just throw things away without really considering it. Yeah. Um, but, but I think if you just put a bit of time into thinking about what it could look like and what you want it to look like, if you know that where you are today is not right for you, then, then surely you deserve that. You know, you, you owe it to yourself to give it some thought and, you know, and, and that's why people like you are so, so valuable because, you know, you can't do these things on your own. Mm. You do need people around you to support you. And, you know, um, sometimes you do need people to talk to about it and to work some ideas through and to give you some benefit of their experience. And, you know, um, some pe people have methodologies you can use, which I know you do, and it yeah. helps you. I, you know, I've been very lucky in my in my career that I've had good mentors. I've had really amazing friends and the mastermind groups. Awesome in terms of being able to take ideas and say, I'm stuck. You yeah. know, I know I want to get away from this place or I know I want to get to that place, but I need some help. 
to get there or to start the process or to catalyze it. And, um, and I think that's why people shouldn't be scared of looking for other people to help them, whatever that looks like, um, because you can't have all the answers yourself. You really can't. And you should look inside yourself for what you want, but you might need other people to help you work out how to get there. Completely, yeah. Could couldn't agree more, and, and say that's one of the wonders of our mastermind group. But having great people around you. So, so just just before we close out, so based on your experiences and what you what you've kind of gone through, what's what's the one big piece of advice that you'd give anybody listening to this who's maybe is either feeling stuck, or maybe they you know they they're out on on a journey and they they're looking to somebody who's a bit further ahead of them in that journey. What's the one piece of advice that you would give anybody listening today? Oh, now I mean. That's a really difficult question because, uh, you know, what I'm very aware of that we're all so uniquely different mm. that, you know, what's right for one person is always right for, for someone else. However, what I would say is that there's never been anything that you're facing into that somebody else hasn't faced into before, mm. you know, um, whether it looks the same or not, fundamentally, people are dealing with the same challenges on a day-to-day basis. So um, I would definitely say that last point I made about reaching out to people is really important. I'm not very good at it, actually. Um, I've learned to be very self-sufficient, which people see as a positive, but actually it's not always because you end up sitting in your own self, trying to do everything for yourself. And you you can get overwhelmed and you can get tired with that and it can prove challenging and you probably won't get there as quickly as if you'd asked for some help up front so so I think um I would definitely say my experience has taught me that you know find your tribe find them yeah. early and uh and and stick with them because once you find the people who get you and who really understand you then they will absolutely be in your corner and on your side and have your back when you need it um, and because they know that you'll do the same for them. So I think, you know, I think it's about building your network, really understanding, um, you know, who you are and, and who you need around you. And then, you know, you can absolutely fly. Love it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think it's fabulous advice to, for anybody is to find that tribe and, and stick with them. Sarah, this has been an absolute joy, as always. Always love spending time with you. Where can people find you? If they want to connect with you, find out more about your business or find out um, connect with you personally, where, where can people find you? So um, LinkedIn is absolutely the best place. So, cool. uh, so yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, we're Asta Commercial Services. So um, ASTER, so that's, um, we've got, um, we've got a company page, but obviously I've got my personal page as well. So yeah, I would love to hear from people, hear their thoughts. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to invite me on today. And um, I can't believe how quick the time's gone. I know. And it's been great talking to you. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. And we'll make sure that we put the links into the show notes. If anybody wants to get hold of you, uh, they'll know exactly how to come and get you. Sarah, this has been, I say, an absolute joy for me. It's always wonderful to um, to hear your voice and spend time with you. So thank you for coming and joining me today. Not at all, Hayden. It's my pleasure. We really hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as we did. And if you have, then we'd love you to go to your podcast platform of choice and give us a rating. And what's more, if you've got friends who you know would also appreciate hearing the kind of stories 
of leaders who are making it in their particular chosen field and will benefit from listening in, then tell them all about it. The only way that we can grow this podcast is through you helping us to get the word out there. So we'd really appreciate if you can share it with those people you know who would also benefit from listening in. Thanks very much and we look forward to sharing our next conversation with you. Thank you.